0: This episode was brought to you by Aussie Wool Comfort.
1: You know, I try to encourage people to forgive because it's in your own best interest. You know, it's your life and it just keeps affecting your life and you keep dragging it into the future and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, for your own sake, you need we need to learn to forgive. I'm hoping to encourage other dads too, to make it a priority. You know, it, it, it's amazing. It's an amazing ride raising kids and being there for them and walking alongside them. And it's over like that.
0: I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned funtrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. So excited about this one, lovely neighborhood. You know, I love finding different and heartwarming stories from around the world. And this was one I found randomly on Instagram. I'm so thrilled that Rob Kenny kindly agreed to join us from Seattle to share his fascinating story from college football to salesman to YouTube influencer extraordinaire. You may know him simply as Dad from the wildly popular Dad How Do I YouTube channel teaching you how to do everyday things you may have missed out on learning from your own dad. Created during the pandemic last year following conversations with his 28-year-old daughter and 25-year-old son, the channel has exploded to over three and a half million subscribers who Rob calls his kids from all over the world. You'll hear the story of how Rob's own dad took custody of Rob and his seven siblings when his mother turned to alcoholism, only to leave the family when Rob was just 14, leaving Rob to grow up in his older brother's small trailer. You'll also hear his extraordinary empathy for his parents and refusal to dwell on the past, leading a beautiful life with his own family before this incredible plot twist in his 50s. He's such an amazing person with so many important lessons on kindness, forgiveness, the different forms of ambition, and the very seize the a appropriate reminder that you never know when a new chapter you could never have dreamed of lies just around the corner. Rob is also a published author and has so many other exciting things on the horizon. I'll pop the link to his book in the show notes at the end, and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Rob, Kenny, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. I feel like I've watched so many of your videos, so to actually get to chat to you live and from across the globe is just so wonderful.
1: Yeah, technology is amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's such a, we kind of take it for granted these days. I remember when my brother went off into the military and running up the phone bill just to be able to talk to him and he was just, you know, he's across the country in the US and the phone bill was enormous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have well and truly embraced the beauty of technology in a way that has turned out to help millions of people all around the world. But before we jump into that, I love to start by asking everyone what the most down to earth thing is about them to break through the often glossy surface of our digital identities, particularly for someone who has become as well known as you have. I mean, you're famous now. (laughs) So what's something really relatable about you?
1: Yeah, I'm a pretty normal person. You know, I'm still, people calling me an influencer and it's like, uh, you know, I'm just a dad trying to help people. Um, I'm a YouTube influencer. Uh, You know, (laughs) trying to figure that out is interesting. You know, there's certain people that I've, you know, looked up to my whole life that if I ever met them, I would probably go, Oh, I can't believe I'm talking to you. But really, you know, I'm just a normal guy. I, I, it's been crazy trying to deal with the recognition and all that, you know, just trying to be faithful and trying to remain true to myself and to my family. You know, that's, that's important to me.
0: I bet you never thought you'd end up as a YouTube influencer. (laughs) And I can't wait to dive into how you got there. I love reminding our listeners that at any time in your life, something totally unexpected but amazing could be just around the corner. But let's start at the very beginning, because I also think it's important to remember that most people's pathways aren't linear, and there's probably been many versions of Rob before the one we're chatting with right now. I don't think anyone is expecting to only have one career or chapter in their lives anymore. So take us back to young Rob as a kid, where it all began as a Washington native, one of eight siblings.
1: (laughs) Well, so, uh, yeah, I'm one of eight kids. I'm number seven. My six older siblings were all born in uh, the middle of the U.S. So they're born in Kansas. And my mom um, was one of 12, you know, wow. and, and they all had lots of kids. And so I think my mom pictured her, or her kids growing up in the Kansas sun. And I share this in my book, you know, I think that's where I'm trying to, you know, as an adult, look back and try to understand what people were going through to try to piece it all together. When I, you know, when the family fell apart, all I could think of was, I'm, I'm a kid and <laughs> somebody needs to help me, you know. Yeah. But now as an adult, looking back, trying to piece it together, um, this is kind of how I understand what my mom went through. So my dad was working at Boeing and work dried right up in Kansas. I'm sure from my dad's perspective, that was tough. You got six kids. His job is going away. What to do now? You know, he was an aerospace engineer. Um, and so, so he had the, you know, you got limits to what you can do, right? There's not like you can just go right down the street and pick up another job. And so <laughs> he moved us to New Orleans for the space program. And I think that took a kind of a toll on my mom to move away from her family that she, so it kind of pulled at her roots and brought her to New Orleans. And then we lived there for just a couple of years. And then I was born in 64. And then in 1966, my dad moved up to the Washington area for Boeing uh, with a 747. And so he moved us all the way up here. And so another big cross country move from my mom, um, she um, struggled with some anxiety and that was the seventies, you know, and so there wasn't great help back then for mental health, it's kind of sad because I've heard since from my oldest sister that um, my mom went to the therapist and you know was kind of sharing um, that she was struggling because she didn't really have a, a support network. And um, he said, oh, Barbara, just buy a new hat.
0: That
1: was the therapy at the time, you know. So we've come a long way since that time. So she started drinking. My dad and her started having issues. And then they ended up getting separated and divorced. And then um, she was considered an unfit mother because of, you know, her issues that she was dealing with. And so my dad got custody of us. But he didn't really want us because I think he felt like it was the right thing to do. But he wasn't satisfied. He had actually met somebody else. Of the younger siblings, we were living at home. I was about 12, 13 at the time. You know, these days, I I think my dad would have been in big trouble, (laughs) but we we were living basically by ourselves. Um, He would load us up with groceries and then he'd be gone for a week. Yeah. And then, and so we learned, had to learn how to fend for ourselves and, you know, figure out the stuff that you normally would have guidance for. And then he came home one day and said, you know, I'm done raising kids. And he said, the older siblings are either going to have to take the younger siblings in, or I'm putting them in foster home. So that's how hard his heart had grown at the time, which, you know, looking back on it, it's pretty that's pretty tough <laughs> yeah. from my perspective but thankfully i got to go live with my brother he was 23 at the time and i was 14 and he was newly married in uh, january or you know he was newly married in october and then i moved in with them in january but he lived in a um eight by 35 trailer him and his new wife so my heart goes out to them you know uh, <laughs> it was tough you know we definitely butted heads quite a bit um and I understand it though you know it must Mm. have been hard for especially my sister-in-law right I mean my brother (laughs) kind of had to put up with me but my sister-in-law what did I marry into here yikes (laughs) (laughs) but it was good you know we 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 all grew together and we're very close to to this day but um yeah I share the story mainly um I don't live there at all you know I'm I'm, Mm. I struggled with it for a long time and then finally I call like coughing up hairballs, <laughs> you know, I've got this thing <laughs> that's wedged in my chest and I got to get it out. And over years of doing that, I finally just forgave my dad because I had to. I had to yeah. for my own mental health because there's nothing you can do about the past. Even though it was hurtful, I, I had to move on with my life because this is my life and it's affecting me.
0: Yeah, totally. You
1: know, try to encourage people to forgive because it's in your own best interest. Because And, you know, not only forgive somebody, but forgive yourself maybe. You know, it's your life and it just keeps affecting your life and you keep dragging it into the future and there's nothing you can do about it. And yet you still, I, I get it. It's, you know, you want mm. somehow that person To pay, (laughs) but you know, for your own sake, you need we need to learn to forgive.
0: Yeah. What's that quote? I think it's holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And what I found really beautiful as you were telling your story, describing huge life-impacting trauma and extraordinary challenge, your reflection showed so much compassion for how hard it must have been for other people around you, you know, rather than how hard it was for you living in a trailer. It was how hard it must have been for your sister-in-law having you here. And I imagine that took a lot of work, but you're such a great example of how you don't have to be defined by past trauma. It could have made you bitter about family, but rather it seems to have driven the opposite. And rather than holding a grudge and kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face, so to speak, you liberated yourself through forgiveness. And I think that's so valuable to be reminded of
1: yeah yeah i think it's interesting because again this is 40 you know over 40 years ago and i have had some siblings that they're still they were still struggling you know with some of the stuff and so i i think because i'm in such a good place i kind of almost forgot a little bit about Mm. the hurt that I've coughed up. I've coughed it up. It's, it's done. It's in the past. You know, I, you know, I, I quote that, that saying from, uh, from the Lion King with, uh, did it in one of my videos where Rafiki hits Simba over the head and he says, ah, what was that for? doesn't matter. It's in the past. (laughs) It's so true, though. You know, it really is. You can't do anything about the past as much as we want to hold on to it and somehow make that person pay or all you can do is you can move forward and, you know, control what you can control. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to that time, you know, at 14 years old, most kids are worrying about, you know, playing and sport and girls. And here you are struggling to find a, you know, think about where you're going to live. And one of the questions I usually ask is, what did you want to be when you were younger? What ideas of career did you have in your mind? And I imagine like that probably wasn't one of your most pressing thoughts at the time. But when did concepts of career and jobs, you know, come into your your thinking? And and what did you want to be?
1: I always wanted to play pro football. I mean, a lot of people share, you know, talk about that, and that's kind of a pipe dream. I'd like to think I was a little closer to it than than, <laughs> but still not, you know, maybe not good enough. But when I was in college, or when I was in high school, I was 6'2", 215, so I was a pretty big, you know, so. And I got recruited by a couple local schools and but it wasn't an option for me. I just couldn't see doing that. And so I just had to let it go. And then a few years later, I decided to to go do it. And I went and played college football. But I but yeah, I had to be a little more cautious. So I went I went to college when like two or three years, three years later than other people, but I still wanted to do it so that I didn't have that regret of ah, I wish I would have tried that, you know. Um so I'm glad I did it. Um but didn't make it, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's another thing. You know, we often look back and think, if I spent all this time going down this pathway and spent years of my life investing in that, you know, career, and I didn't go pro, or I didn't make it, as you said, often I think we lament the waste of time that that was. But mm-hmm. I like to reiterate that, you know, along the lines of this nonlinear pathway philosophy, that nothing is a waste if you learn something from it. And yeah. even if you did spend a lot of time and energy going down a pathway that you didn't continue on, it could seem like a waste on the surface. But actually, the way you redirect yourself and the lessons you learn from that and how you pivot after that, it's never a waste if you make an effort to apply those learnings in the next step.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. There's a quote, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn.
0: Oh, that's one of my favorite quotes ever. Failure is totally, it's just a concept. But if you look hard enough, there's always a lesson. And in fact, that means you're never losing out. (laughs) So after football, what was your first career? What did you go on to do?
1: Yeah. So again, I've been real, you know, and I try to be, I've always tried to be loyal to people that treat me fairly. And so I've been at the same job for almost 30 years. Wow. Uh, I, so I, I, am in sales. I sell office supplies, not the, you know, it's funny. Cause I, <laughs> I haven't even shared this on an interview yet. I don't think, but
0: exclusive material. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I joke about it with my kids though, you know, um, bring your dad to work day. Oh, what's your dad do? He's a fireman. Oh, what's your dad do? Oh, he's a police. Oh, what's your dad do? He's over you know?
0: <laughs> um, office supplies. Office supplies.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as they've gotten older, and there was even a time where my daughter even kind of made a comment and then she felt horrible and came back to me and said, Dad, sorry, I didn't mean that. I was like, it's fine. I said, it's been a good living and it's been, you know, it's given me the freedom to see pretty much anything my kids ever, ever did. And I'm still working. So I I haven't actually quit my job. I'm still, still doing that because again, I'm very cautious. My wife and I, my wife just turned 57. I'll be 57 next month.
0: (gasps) What skincare do you use? You look like a spring chicken.
1: (laughs) With no hair though, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but so smooth, not a wrinkle (laughs) on that scalp.
1: Good genes is what it is. Uh, yeah, you're too kind, but, um, yeah, so, you know, we I didn't, again, start this channel to try to become famous or try to make money at it. Um, I did it to try to help people. And so now my wife and I had planned well and kind of were planning to retire in our mid-60s. But now with this whole new venture and trying to figure it out with, you know, being a published author now, who knew? You know, I mean, what
0: <laughs> is that? That's crazy. Oh, and it's such a beautiful <laughs> book. Congratulations. So exciting. But that's just it. You know, you would never have known that you could do this. And that's what makes life so exciting. It's never too late for there to be a whole new chapter of your story right around the corner that you never could have imagined. And I love that you've made decisions, you know, at each Stage of your life within the risk matrix that you had at the time, and I think we do get a bit, you know, YOLO, like just quit your job (laughs) and, and do what, follow your dreams, but there are some realities we have to face before we all go leaving our jobs to seize our yay. And it's, it was interesting reflecting on times where you've said, you know, we did have to be a little bit more risk-averse, but now, you know, maybe you don't. So tell us, how did it all eventuate? How did you start, Dad, how do I, and amass millions of kids?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, see, that's the thing. It's so hard to even get my head around it. I, it, wasn't a, it wasn't this plan that I had, you know, uh, I thought it was going to help 30 or 40 people and just try to have this you know, area where you know you could learn how to tie a tie, but you could also learn how to do some car maintenance, you could also do some plumbing, just kind of cover all the things that I had in my head to download, and I share in my book about um, a trip that we took to Rome where it really hit me because like you were saying, you know, a big part of my um, me and my wife, our goal was to raise good adults. You know, I always say that good adults, not good kids, but I want to raise good adults that were functioning and helping society and doing, you know, good in the world. And so uh, we went to Rome and when we were there, I just couldn't help but think about all the history, you know, that is in Rome. That's crazy. But um, the sad thing about it is Rome used to dominate you know it was the center of the ancient world and now it's crumbling statues that are left like you go walk to the forum and you have to kind of envision what it used to look like, but it used to be a time, you know, where they ruled, uh, ruled things. And so it really was kind of stuck in my craw a little bit, trying to figure out, you know, what am I, what, what now? You know, my wife and I raised these good kids or good adults and they're out in the world and, you know, it was sad to see them go. We cried as they moved off, you know, and one got married, my daughter got married and my son's over in Virginia, but it was the right thing, you know, go do that. But um, but now what, you know, I honestly and not to be morbid, but, you know, now I've got a few years left and then I retire and then I travel a little bit and then I die. That was kind of what was swirling around in my head, because when, you know, dating back to when I was that 14 year old, I made this promise that I'll never do that you know, when I get the chance, I want to raise good adults. I want to, I want to prove to myself that it can be done, you know? (laughs) So once that was kind of, that box was checked off and we got our kids through um, college without debt. So they don't have that burden on them. And then they're, plus they're out functioning, doing very well in their careers. Now what, you know? And so that's what kind of kind of planted the seed I guess for this perfect storm that became dad how do I you know cuz I talk to my kids my adult kids all the time and you know and my daughter was encouraging me dad you know I've got a lot of friends that don't have this resource I'm thankful for it cuz she can call me anytime you know mm. to talk Talk about things. There's certain things I can't do on my channel. Some things, you know, adulting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh. (laughs) What was the very first video? Did you just sort of make a list of things that you thought were the most common obstacles for the younger generation without a parent to guide them? And, you know, did you? pick things based on what you had felt as a kid. I feel like you should have one on doing your taxes and how to (laughs) set an alarm in the morning. Like, yeah. What video kicked it all off?
1: It's funny. So I did, I ended up doing uh, how to tie a tie. So I actually started my channel April 1st, April Fool's Day. Yeah, it was uh, how to tie a tie. And then I did how to shave just some things that were pretty obvious. I did the how to tie a tie thinking that's not much of a commitment. You know, I mean, it won't take me very long and just, and I, I say, pay attention to the knot, you know, that's important. And then it just kinda, there's so much stuff I want to download, but then there's stuff to try to figure out, okay, how do I do that to keep it simple? Like I people said, have said, uh, Dad, I want to go fishing. And well, fishing's there's a lot of pieces to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: and do- like fly fishing, ocean fishing, lake <laughs> fishing, so many options. Well, and then how
1: do you tie the hook? And how do you set up the the gear? And then how do you cast? And how do you net a fish? And you know, so it's like uh, that video would be six hours long. And so,
0: <laughs> well, we'd <don't> all listen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to figure that out because I want to break that up into bite-sized chunks. So where if you need to know how to just tie the hook you know, you got that. And then we can string them together so that it, you know, I am just trying to f- get that my head around it. Cause I, I do want to try to keep things simple. Mm. Yeah. So that it's valuable information. I originally thought I, my videos would be two or three minutes long and uh, that's gone out the window. So, um, <laughs> but I've gone to YouTube like everybody else to go, okay, uh, I need to learn how to do that, and then you watch a 20-minute video for the one-minute nugget, and it was like they were doing all this hoopla and stuff. It's Like, just get to the point. Show me, show me that thing I need. And so I, so I try to do that as best as I can. I don't try to make you hang around. Although people have been very gracious and said, if you just came on and ate crackers, Dad, I would still watch. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> I would too. <laughs> Just quickly interrupting today's episode to take you back to what you now know is my earliest hometown of Warragul. You may have seen our recent years of Our Lives trip there with women in Gippsland and one of the incredible local businesses I had the privilege of meeting and falling in love with was Aussie Wool Comfort. You've probably gathered already that I deeply appreciate the impact of our choices as consumers and highly value shopping with Australian-made, family-owned businesses who showcase the best of our beautiful home here in Australia. I also value anything that enhances sleep quality and makes bedtime feel cosy. So it took absolutely no convincing to make the swap to Aussie Wool Comfort's range of bedding products. I literally drove home with a bootful. I think there's a picture somewhere of me with a whole bootful of goodies. The range is made from 100% pure Aussie wool with natural cotton Japara outers and is chemical-free with natural fibres, giving us an allergy-free, deliciously fluffy quilt for all year round. We loved it so much that then recently we added the under blanket to top our mattress and wrap us up in a fluffy wool sandwich. Oh my gosh, it's so cosy. And of course, couldn't go past the dog bed for Paul. Those come in four sizes and are machine washable. Oh, So your fur babies can also enjoy the comfort and warmth of wool without overheating. I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can check out the full range and score yourself the soundest sleep with Aussie Wool Comfort. And the team have very generously given us 40% off everything, excluding the pet beds and gift vouchers, if you use the code Sarah40 at the checkout. Do yourself a favour and jump online. The link is in the show notes. So had you watched much YouTube before? Was it your kids who were like, you should make a channel? Because starting a YouTube channel, it's a bit of a commitment, you know, and then filming and editing and producing videos. Like what was the actual idea to make it a YouTube channel?
1: Yeah, my daughter, because she was on me. Dad, you need to do this. You need to do it. And and she's got a pretty good sense of what, especially during the pandemic, what people were looking for as far as um, she said, I just watched Jimmy Kimmel or some celebrity put together a a bike she said and all he did all he was just putting together a bike and it was just like kind of hanging out with him she said, and I think people would like to hear from a dad, you know, to see that things are going to be okay. You know, we'll get through mm. it. Because the channel has resonated on, on such a different level, I had no idea. You know, people coming and watching me tie a tie, and they're sobbing watching me tie a tie. I, I You know, I think I'm just showing you how to tie a tie. I'm pretty naive in the fact that they just liked that dad moment, you know. And I've had people say, I just came on and I just watch you shave on a loop. <laughs> you know, just, just
0: Just reassuring. Yeah. And
1: reminds them of their own dad that maybe has passed or a dad that they never had or, um, Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I uh, honestly, that blindsided me. I didn't, Mm. I didn't think it would resonate on that level.
0: And I think that's another really important reminder that if you're sitting on a good idea that you think is a really strong idea, but you're not sure how it's going to go, we have a lot of self-doubt and imposter syndrome that, you know, who am I to do this? Who's going to watch me shave my own face? (laughs) But, you know, there's as much as there's always a risk that it won't work, there logically has to always be a risk that it will work and better than you. Were ever expected. And one of those quotes that I love for that situation is someone out there is always looking for exactly what you have. So just trust that if you put something out there that you think is a really good idea and you think fills a gap or a need for people out there, you know, it could turn out that millions of people agree with you. And I mean, you went viral, what, just before Father's Day last year?
1: Yeah, end of May. May, May 20th is kind of when it all hit.
0: So just to clarify, American Father's Day, because ours is in September. Ours is
1: in June, yeah, near the end of June.
0: Yeah. And so you just, you never know how much what you do is going to resonate with other people and to choose not to do it because you're scared it won't work. It could have deprived millions of people of this community and network and reassurance that you've since been able to provide them.
1: The ironic thing, and God has a sense of humor, uh, (laughs) I've always considered myself an introvert and I've struggled with anxiety. And I, you know, honestly, in sales, I reluctantly got into sales. It wasn't something I wanted to do. I'm not a type A personality. I, you know, I go into our sales meetings where we got 30 salespeople and we're all in this U shape and then you get the presentation and I'm like, don't ask me any questions. You know, uh, I just want to sit here and then I want to leave, you know, please don't. And I've always been pretty successful. So I'm always in the top tier of the sales team. And these other people would tell you all these amazing stories of their sales and stuff. And I'm like, but, but I see your numbers, I you know, I. <laughs> you know I have to scratch my head and like I uh, if you've got all these great sales how come it's not showing up in the in the numbers and so and thankfully I've, I've worked for companies that have kind of allowed me to be me and so I share that in the book of the time that I finally said you know what Rob you need to you need to face your fears and this thing you've been hiding from your whole life and then so I actually share the struggle that I had getting up and doing it and the sweaty palms thinking about, oh, no, I got to give that speech, you know. Um, And so I did. I got up in front of everybody because I was the top salesman for the year that year. And I could have just said, you know, thanks, but no, thanks. I'll just stick with what I know. And I challenged myself and said, you know, this monster has grown too big. You need to face it. And like you said, it's one of those things where not to think too highly of myself, but you're kind of depriving people of what you have you know we all have something that might encourage somebody else so by me just keeping that to myself and no I'm just going to struggle with this (laughs) in silence and not let anybody know that I struggle with it because I always felt like it was a weakness of mine Yeah, when I finally overcame that. And I actually have a how-to on how to give a speech.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. I think it also comes back to that whole idea about identity. And, you know, a lot of this podcast is dominated by conversations about the struggle of an A-type, like how hard it is not to burn out and always be overachieving and blah, 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 career focus. But it's also really important that not everyone is an A-type. I like that you identified that about yourself early, and it definitely didn't preclude you from achieving great success in the workplace and in life yeah. But it did mean that when we talk about, you know, comfort zones are great but nothing magical ever happens there. Everyone's comfort zone is different. And so the steps that you take in and out of that are also different and your ambition can also look different. And I think something else that we don't really allow ourselves enough of is that even within our own lives, our identity and comfort zones and how that manifests are going to change over time. You know, it's it's fluid. You've had a brand new career in your 50s. That's a complete reinvention and change of identity. But you also could have grown up thinking as a parent that you'd bring all your history to your own parenting, and yet you've become the most incredible father to Christine, Kyle, and millions of other kids. How did you unwrap yourself from the vision that you had of yourself as, you know, did you ever worry that you were going to be a bad dad? Did you ever question your own parenting and get your identity wrapped up in your past? And did that self-doubt ever creep back into part of your life?
1: Not so much, but I do remember hearing that, you know, a lot of people that do bad things in their marriage or whatever learned it. And then, and so I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, does that mean that's going to be me? You know, I'm going to be like that. So so the thought hadn't even occurred to me, you know, it's like, I've loved the journey. And so I've, I'm hoping to encourage other dads too, to, Uh, make it a priority you know it's amazing it's an amazing ride raising kids and being there for them and walking alongside them and it's over like that you know you uh, snow days here you know when you have a snow day I would call in and I'd just say, you know, I can't make it in. Um, and then you'd get the grief and it's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to oh, go that's sledding so sweet. with my kids. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that window of time is such a short amount of time. I'm so thankful I made that choice because I could have got out there and struggled and fought to because, you know, I'm 20 miles from my where I worked. And so I probably could have got there. For what? You know, the, it kind of slows down on a snow day anyway. What would I have done? You know, people will understand. And so I, I chose to make it a priority to go sledding with my kids because I think mm. that's
0: important. You're just reminding me so much of the power of choice. You know, we're not passive to our past or we're not just passive to what happens in life. We do have choices and they shape the life we end up living and the relationships we end up having. It's so inspiring that you've transcended what was a very fraught father and son relationship. It's a relationship that's fraught anyway for, for most you know, fathers and sons. Male role models are increasingly hard to come by. And I think you're a really wonderful example of the fact that you can transcend your background or your history with the choices mm-hmm. that you make to prioritize certain things. And you don't necessarily have to become who people think that you're going to turn out to be. Yeah. So in terms of the channel, I can imagine you've connected with some pretty wonderful people and heard some amazing stories about the impact you've had on changing people's lives. Is there a most watched video? Do you have a favourite one? What are the coolest things you've gotten to do on this journey?
1: I don't know. I've gotten a lot of cool things. I I, I don't know how. I mean, writing a book is amazing. Um, there's a chance of a TV show um, too. <gasps> been going on for a while now. and so,
0: Stop! That's uh, so exciting! So Let's we'll we'll see what that,
1: what that looks like. Um, and there's been a lot of interest in some pretty big networks um, in it. So we're trying to, you know, it's taken a lot longer than I thought. I thought we would have heard something by Christmas, but... I keep every week it's like, oh, you know, well, here's something next week. There's something next week. Okay. Well, you know, know what? I'm right. I wrote a book. I got to work on that and I'm still working full time and I got to put up YouTube videos and I'm dealing with sponsorships. You know, I've got so many things. Going on that I just leave that kind of on the back burner and hopefully it'll turn into something. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've met some pretty cool people. Justin Baldoni reached out to me and I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's he's a director and an actor and he just to encourage me. And then I've had other um, famous people reach out to me, and I met the guitar player from Switchfoot, who's my—they're my favorite band. And um,
0: wow, yeah,
1: it's—I mean, there's so I—I I wouldn't even know where to begin um, because I've met a lot of famous people, like Tamron Hall. Um, you know, I was on her show last year. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's yeah,
0: yeah, yep.
1: she's got her own show in America. And then Craig Melvin interviewed me, and he's going to interview me again on the Today Show on the day of my book.
0: Oh awesome.
1: Uh, yeah. And I I'm from what I understand, he actually has a book coming out and he actually mentions me in his book, which is kinda
0: Oh, that's so lovely. The yeah. places you'll go, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it it again, God has a sense of humor. It's for it's so uh amazing what he has done in um such a short amount of time and I just wanna be wanna be faithful to him and do the right thing, you know, be um do the best that I can with the platform I've been given to give, continue to give back. That's, that's the goal. Mm. If we can somehow make this into uh, a living, (laughs) Mm. I, I would love to help. Foster kids, you know I'd like to help other things that fit you know to help help people i don't I don't want to be a a celebrity to have a mansion and put a big gate around me <laughs> you know I want to be accessible and I want to try to help as many people as as we can because I can't take it with me.
0: Oh my gosh, I say that all the time. You can't take it with you. This whole podcast is based on the premise of moving from seize the day, which represents excess and success and forward motion towards progress and, you know, moving that back towards joy and fulfillment and the fact that you can't take any of the things you amass in your lifetime with you. Yeah. So spend them freely and liberally on the people you love and the things that really matter because it is an incredibly short amount of time and there has to be room for joy and love and and legacy and It's also interesting that you said, you know, with the platform I've been given, but I would also say the platform you've grown yourself by being so warm and approachable and, but obviously putting clearly a lot of thought into how you convey, you know, the steps that you do and not having too much fluff and nonsense. You have a very distinctive style that's very digestible. Are there any videos that have got, you know, that you think of your best work that have done really well or that you didn't, you know, expect would go well, but did because you've branched out. You mentioned you've gone into cookies and changing tires. There's, you know, a dad, how do I anything?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The how to tie a tie is probably my favorite just because it kind of launched everything and kind of got it going. And yeah, I mean, I did one on saying I'm proud of you, you know, oh, because people don't beautiful. hear that enough. And I've that's another thing. Again, I'm trying to encourage dads, you know, hey, tell your kids you're proud of them. We, you know, simple pleasures of coming home and making a big deal out of stuff, something that doesn't cost you a whole lot. You know, I'd come mm. home and dad's home, you know, and, yeah, and I oh, even so shared cute. in my biscuit video. We call them biscuits here. I guess in the UK, they call those cookies. And so, pe- dad, that's not a, that's a scone. That's not OK. <laughs>
0: they biscuits in Australia, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
1: but, you know, I used to say, dad's going to make biscuits tomorrow. It's biscuit day, you know, make a big deal out of it um, and kind of hanging your hat on those traditions. I think that's important and eating dinner together, I think is important. You know, put your phones mm. down. The the smartphone kind of came out a little bit when the kids were a little bit older for us. But, you know, if I can encourage people to, man, make that time because, and who's the one in charge here? I was on a podcast recently and this guy was saying, yeah, we have that problem. You're the dad. <laughs> But it is true, you know, um, leave your phone over there, put it on airplane mode, and let's have a half hour where we connect, you know, um, it doesn't take much effort. And if you don't do it, the time's gone, you know, it happens Mm. so quick, you you miss those opportunities, you got to be, you know, intentional about it.
0: Well, the last section is called Play TA, which is where I kind of get guests to unwrap their identity from their productive selves and from what they do versus who they are and just, you know, what do they do to find their joy and make you forget what time it is. For you, it sounds like you've kind of already mentioned them all. I feel like you're one of the most balanced people I've ever had the privilege of talking to. (laughs) How do you maintain that balance? You know, what do you do just for joy? Is there anything you do for yourself? to, you know, avoid burnout or that isn't necessarily to help others, which is something that you you can (laughs) kind of get fatigued from that sometimes. What do you do for joy?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I love to read. I share that in my book that I have tons of books and I have a tough time letting go. I try not to hoard other things, but I really have a tough time letting go of my books because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to read that book again. And I, that's such a nice resource. You know, I'm hoping people hang on to my books because it does have the, or my book because it does have the how to's at the back. So it might be worth hanging on to in case you have the how to's. Yeah. Cause I, I love to read. I could sit and read and fall asleep and wake up and continue reading and fall asleep and, <laughs> I love to sit at the ocean. Um, it makes me feel small. You know, I, I even though our oceans are not the, <laughs> you know, we don't have the white sandy beach, you know, it's cold and overcast or whatever. <laughs> but It's still just the massiveness of the ocean is amazing to me. I could just sit there um, in, until the wind drives me crazy. But I just love watching the waves and, you know, wading out into the ocean. So that's, I could probably spend the most amount of time just staring at the ocean.
0: I love that. I think it is really humbling and gives you such a sense of perspective to be anywhere where the enormity of nature just reminds you how small you are, but, you know, in a good way. Yeah. I mean, even though it sounds weird to think of yourself as small, it just it gives <laughs> you such perspective on how temporary we are compared to the great mass of the world. And it always gives me a bit of a kick up the butt to be like, make the most of the time you are given here to be in this Huge ancient planet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's true. You know, and I, I I, had a video on the dash, you know, there's a poem called the dash where, it, it, you know, it's the year you were born and the year you were, you die and the dash is your life. And if you spend any kind of time in the cemetery too, you know, I think in our day and age, we don't allow ourselves to think. We just are running here and running there and running there. And we got so much information coming at us. I think it's important to stop and think. Um, I would encourage people to sit in the cemetery for a time and just look around, those are lives, you know, those aren't just stones that are there. Those were lives. They were here for a time and they're gone, you know? Um, mm. so I'm in my mid fifties. I'm guessing I'll live till eight, late eighties, 90, but, I could die next week, you know, you just, you just don't know. And so I think it is important to keep that perspective of, you know, we, we all tend to plan, oh, that's, I'm going to do that someday, or I'm going to do that someday. I actually share in the book about the American pickers. Are you familiar with that?
0: watch that all the time.
1: (laughs) Oh, nice. I love the show too. You know, it's, I I love (laughs) the backstories. I love to hear about the people that fascinates me. But, you know, how often do you hear, you know, a 95-year-old guy that has tons of stuff everywhere and then they, you know, they finally dig up this motorcycle that he's forgot about 30 years ago, then they say, ah, you know, we'd really like, you know, would you take something for it? No, I'm going to fix that someday. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you're in your 90s, you know, I, I mean, I like to hang on to some stuff that I got projects, but you know, you're probably, you're probably not going to get to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. totally. And that's what this section is. Like, I always try and remind people with, you know, the whole Palladier thing that, we limit time that's not productive, like fixing up a motorcycle for joy or doing something that's just for fun. And no one's going to get to the end of their life and look back and think, I wish I had less fun. Yeah, No one is going to say that. So just at all costs, you know, make time for joy and for those important right. things. It's yeah. just, yeah, we don't make enough time for it. <laughs> yeah. So just to finish up, second last question. What are three interesting things about you that haven't been on the channel and don't normally come up in conversation, like tattoos or allergies or weird things you do in your sleep that you don't admit to (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I have it all together, Sarah. I don't I don't no, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But I feel like you
0: do actually have it all together.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, You're too kind. I I don't have any tattoos because I always think long term. You know, I always thought when I was younger, I I, I don't want a tattoo. Even, you know, I've thought about getting one at times. And if it was in a hidden place, I was like, nah, uh, you know, and so now. At my age I'm thankful I never did
0: <laughs> yeah because oh. imagine how tragic they would have been if you let yourself get them when you were 18 <laughs> yeah I mean I've
1: seen people yeah with their tattoos and it's like do you to realize that you you're gonna live with that you know on your face like I, <laughs> I, so because I mean we all made you know I'm a lot older than you of course but um when I was younger I've been you know there's things that I made decisions that you made that you're not proud of or what have you but I don't have a tattoo to, to remind me of it every day. You know, I have to look at that. Oh, that's right. I made that stupid decision when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think. I do you uh,
0: have like a favorite food?
1: So uh, I'll say a food that I, that I like that a lot of people don't like. I like beets. I've shared that before. And my daughter was kidding me because of the office. And... You're Dwight
0: Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first I... thing I thought. I was like, he's going to open a beet farm one day. It's going to happen. Dad, how do I farm beets? (laughs) How
1: do I cook meats? You know, it's funny because I I think they're really good for you. So Um,
0: practical.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my wife and I pickled a ton. I mean, I could send you a picture. We got so many jars of pickled beets. That was something we kind of figured out how to do the last couple of years because we both like them.
0: Um, That's so sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's something to be proud proud of, but, but uh, it's
0: interesting. It's, yeah.
1: But I also shared uh on my channel the other night the first thing I learned how to make was popcorn. Um, because when I was little, <laughs> their siblings took advantage of me and told <laughs> they always said I had I made the best popcorn, you know. And so little Robbie would run off to the kitchen. Oh, I'm gonna make popcorn. Oh, that's and so That I know sweet. I did it because you know they they were manipulating me to cut uh, off and make some popcorn. You know,
0: that's what my husband does. He's like, but you're just so good at cleaning. You know, you're just better <laughs> at it. And you know, of course, my ego is so stoked. I'm like. Yeah, no, I am. I am really good at it. I should probably just do it.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, they were great. I love them. And since I love quotes so much, the final question is what is your favorite quote?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on if you want a short quote or a long quote. It's the, I actually printed out the Teddy Roosevelt quote because you had mentioned that you might ask me some questions. And so um, I could read that. That's, that's yeah, I'd
0: love that
1: because it means a lot. And I, I memorized it at one point just because it's so, it's so powerful. It's, it's so well written. Um, and it just kind of covers a lot of what I've struggled with, with letting critics keep you from doing what you should be doing and give yourself credit for doing it, you know, instead of mm-hmm. Here's what that person thinks, let's see what, What you know? What have they done? And then, and you know, and you learn something too through it when you um, put yourself out there. So I would say that's my my favorite quote, and I can read it if you'd like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs. who neither know victory nor defeat.
0: Oh, it's such a good one. I still
1: get teary. (laughs) I get a little emotional reading that because it's just so powerful. You know, I think it's, it's kind of freeing to say, Hey, you know what? I am going to do that. I'm going to, I don't care if people told me I can't do it. I'm going to, I, I have it within myself. I feel like this is something I should do. I'm going to do it. And, but, and you're better for it, you know. Mm.
0: Well, we are all actually better for having a dad like you out in the world. I feel like we've all gained an extra parent. and You're doing such wonderful things for so many of us. And I cannot wait to read the book. Where can we find it?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I think the easiest way, we, we try to support the, so we have Queen Anne Book Company in the Seattle area, and the, they're actually selling the signed copies that I, that I did. Um, and so if you go to dadhowdoi.official.com my daughter set it up to where there's a pop-up and it'll take you to the links where you can buy it. It also takes you to the Collins link where you can get it on Amazon and actually it's gonna be in Target too, which is kind of Oh
0: wow.
1: So here's here's kind of a fun little nugget too. I I got an email today. They wanted me to record uh like a hey target (laughs) you know hey i said hey target family uh this is
0: (laughs) it's your dad here
1: (laughs) yeah so kind of fun so when you're in the book aisle i might scare you um you know it might it's one of those things where you're you're in the book aisle and this video might pop up and say yeah so i just um i'm in the process of recording that little 30 second blurb Um, oh my
0: gosh
1: (laughs) i'm like a little kid can't believe that all this is happening to me. I I recorded my audio book too. And I'm like, this is just so uh, amazing, the opportunities that I'm getting. Um, when my publisher sent me that email from Target or about Target and said, hey, you know, uh, you should, uh, can you do a blurb? I'm like, how fun is this? I wrote back to them. <laughs> I, I mean, I and I don't make them wait a day to hear from me. I write right back because I'm just so excited about um, the opportunities that that I get to do. It's pretty, pretty remarkable.
0: I mean, it's only been just over a year now. It's extraordinary. You know, you've just been such an amazing example that you can seize your yay at any time. You never know what's going to be right around the corner. And if this is what you've done in a year, I can only imagine what's going to come next.
1: Oh well, thank you. I love Australia too. By the way, I hope to get there someday. My brother was there in the military. He was in, stationed in Port Adelaide, um, so I would like. No to, way. I'd like to get there someday, but you'll
0: love- have to do a book tour here.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I hope I get to do. I, you know, I've shared this before. When this whole pandemic lifts, I'd love to go out and meet my kids. You know, I'd love to. <laughs> because you know they're all over on my live the other day I'm like I'm still again you know like a little giddy about it as I'm reading New Zealand and Iceland and Germany I'm like Ireland I'm like oh my goodness (laughs) these people all over the world are watching me
0: they absolutely are (laughs) well congratulations on everything all the very best with what comes next and thank you so much for joining us
1: you bet thanks for having me on Sarah
0: oh my gosh isn't he just the sweetest little human going around if you haven't already checked out the dad how do I channel please go and watch even just to see his smile he has so much warmth and kindness about him if you enjoyed and like what he's doing please show him some love and support from the neighborhood sharing and tagging at dad how do I and us of course it helps so much to keep getting wonderful guests like Rob and to keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible hope you're having a wonderful week and a seizing your yay.